What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Upon Further Review, the ballsiest podcast at the Dallas Morning News. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of foreshadowing there. I'm Evan Grant. A subtle segue there. I'm joined by Kevin Sherrington, who oh, yeah. we like to call clown number one, and Mr. Chips Ahoy. You're not even letting us introduce ourselves anymore? My mother, Barry Horn. <laughs> Oh, that's unbelievable. My Evan, mother, the Evan, Evan is taking total control in here. Also, we are joined by David Moore. David, are you there? I'm reluctantly at this stage, yes. Are you happy you're not in the studio with us, David? <laughs> yes, it sounds very from the pre from the pre show meeting, yes. I'm glad I'm in a safe distance. You know, they're gonna they're gonna expand this studio. They're gonna make it a lot bigger. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a wine and cheese bar in here. Gonna it's gonna a, really be nice. A window. Okay, well then I'm in. Then oh, I'm in. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. actually, now that I think about it, as bad as the dynamics are there, it's probably still better than the Valley Ranch locker room over the last several weeks. Oh, the, so I, I will take it. Or, or the Valley Ranch media room, which is like a junior <laughs> high locker room. <laughs> this this yeah, is like been the, that way for a long time. We're like yes. in the presidential suite compared to, compared to that that uh, yes. Valley Ranch uh, media room. All right, enough of this, you clowns. You're all getting away from the number one topic here. What's that? Let's see. Can we finally, finally, once and for all, pronounce the season over and get on with burying of the Cowboys? Are, are they mathematically? No. Are they mathematically no. eliminated? Thank you, thank you, Mister Math. Thank you, no. Miss. Thank you, Mister Calculus. Take it away, David. <laughs> Tell Evan Until how they are mathematically eliminated, which I may add will be this weekend in some way, shape, or form. Uh, they are going to play this thing out, which is you know, and, and I think it gets to the point where. I know everyone's rolling their eyes out there and go, look, what, what do they have to play for? But if you're the head coach and your message and your culture consistently is, look, you live in the moment, uh, you fight and give it all you have to reach that goal as long as that goal remains in sight. Now, once that goal is gone, we'll step back and we'll reassess what our approach will be. But until that is taken away, I want your maximum effort. I want all eyes forward. I want you going for this thing. To go ahead and say, eh, we're going to go ahead, and we know we had no shot, even though we're not mathematically eliminated. So let's look at this guy. Let's look at that guy. Let's, let, let's try something else here. I think that cl- completely undermines the, what you're about and the program you're trying to put in place. So I, I think it's worth the public ridicule outside the organization for the sanctity of what you're trying minute, to put together inside the organization to play it out. Wait but until that moment, wait a minute. We, until we, that moment of mathematical elimination, we are going to go forward without any innovation, any creativity, any outside the box thinking. We are just going to manage games not to lose, which inevitably we will lose. That we, that seems we, to be we? that seems to be the message that comes from Valley Ranch. Well, that's the message because they're losing now. I would argue they followed the same thing last year when they were winning, and they weren't that creative, and no one had a problem with it because you're winning. So I, winning or losing, I mean, this is a very simple, but it completely alters how you view what is taking place and uh, the, the message and, and uh, how they're conducting business. And, and I agree on some point. When you're losing, uh, do you just continue to lose the same way? 
or do you look to try to shake things up? Whether Definition of insanity. Personnel, yeah, could, uh, personnel could. options. Uh, but but I will say I don't know. There are so many moving parts in football, and there is. I, I think it is difficult to implement major changes in a 16-game season based on the structure okay. of but, the but, NFL. But, David, after his half-dozen starts, could we not conclude that Matt Castle is not the quarterback? He's not, he's not even ready to be here as the number two quarterback anymore? Wait a minute. He wasn't the number two quarterback. He's the number two quarterback. But he wasn't. He was the number three quarterback. The number he was three the number quarterback three who was elevated to two, to who was then elevated to one. He has won one of six in games. Buffalo. He was. He has won one of six games, which I think is what, if my math is correct, Mister Mister Math. Point one six seven. Point one six seven. So he's got a one sixty seven winning percentage, and and I heard you, David. I heard you on the radio. There is still well, thinking out there that at one sixty seven. It's better than the unproven guy at zero zero zero. Well, I at this stage the argument is if if you let's go with the premise that until they're mathematically eliminated, they have to play to win games. Now, obviously, they've been playing to win games and it hasn't worked out to this stage. But put that aside. We, can you as as the head coach can you make an argument that you have a better chance to win a game? with a quarterback who has never taken a snap in an NFL regular season game. Yes. With a quarterback who has actually had less time to develop a rapport with Des Bryant, Cole Beasley, Terrence Williams, than the quarterback you currently have in place who clearly hasn't developed a rapport with these players but has had many more opportunities to throw to them than Kellen Moore. And, that, really and that's, and that's the a point here, David. This guy is better suited right now. And, and the answer is no. Now, once you're eliminated, you look at it and you say, then it's about giving him an opportunity and seeing what you have. But until that point, if you can't make the argument that we, that we have a better chance to win a game with this guy than the guy we have, I don't think you make a move. Now, I understand how frustrating that is looking from the outside, but from the inside, I think you have to take that approach. Okay, David. Thank you. Uh, listen, listen. Here, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing about Matt Castle. Listen, I, all along I was in favor of, of giving him a shot because look, the guy comes in in the middle of the season. This is an impossible situation. You're saying if he makes it and starts winning games, that training camp is for the birds. You know, why do we need training camp if a quarterback can come in in the middle of the season, pick up the system, and and and, and execute it and win? But I think after watching that game last week against Green Bay. I think now I will say this uh, on the whole rapport thing with Des Bryant, Cole Beasley, Jason Witten, whoever. If he needs to take these guys out for a, a drink, a party, a strip club, something he needs what? to do to develop rapport. That is some ballsy talk. Right <laughs> it there. is wow. right there with these guys. Do something, but but clearly uh, at, at this point, uh, I, I think the man has regressed. I, I thought that that he was starting to show some signs of getting better. Clearly, last week. It, he regressed, and that to me, at this point, it's not a matter of saying we're giving up on the season. It's a, it's saying we're we're giving up on Matt Castle. What about his rapport with the referee when he hit the referee on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I mean, rapport, schmapport. He's delivering bad passes. Okay, he's delivering. He's he, delivering he has had more passes throws. batted down at the line of scrimmage, I think, than any quarterback in football. He, he's you know he's throwing we, sidearm. We can say whatever we want to say about Dez's effort and and Dez's ability pitiful. to reach up and, and go get balls. But these are not balls that are well delivered. 
Evan, are you going to use the word? How many times are you going to try to get the word balls in today? I counted six already. That's pretty ballsy of you to do that. Seven, Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> David, the reason, uh, David, you're probably on the outside here. We're the name of the podcast is probably going to change, and we're probably going to be called <laughs> Ballsy. No, I, I'm just, I'm just sitting back and admiring your nuanced approach to getting that across. Let me yeah. ask you. Let me, let me throw this out. Let me. What if, what if, please throw Kel- something out. Well, let, what if Kellen Moore plays and plays lights out? Although I did hear Jerry Jones on the radio today saying they're going. Balls out with Des Bryant. He said that. But but here's the question. What is what? that? It's on our website now. It, what, I'm sure it I, is. I can't wait to but, see but what it, the balls out effort is going to be like when they are eliminated. <laughs> but but he said that on the radio when they asked they asked him if, the, it if they're going to sit It doesn't matter what Jerry says. Jerry's, but, Jerry's but here's a fool the, with what he says football my question? Wise. Let me ask my question. What if Kellen Moore comes out and plays really well in the, in the last two games? Wait a minute. Don't put your hands up like that. Let me finish. What if he comes out and plays really well? Okay. What would that do to, uh, to everybody who say the Cowboys need to draft a quarterback high in the next draft? Absolutely nothing. Everyone who is arguing to see Kellen Moore, I would, I would say will still argue just as vociferously going into the offseason that Kellen Moore is not the answer going forward. He is not your backup quarterback to develop to one day replace Tony Romo. That this team needs to draft a quarterback. That this team needs to sign a better free agent possibly do both going into next season so that's that to me that's the other that's the other part of this argument that when you say just get kellen moore in there i i've seen enough of of matt castle i want to see what kellen moore's had to what end is that going to alter what you do as a franchise going forward and i would argue the answer is no what if he has i don't care i don't care if he plays great i are is this team going to go in the offseason and say uh, you know what? We don't need to draft a quarterback this year. We have Kellen Moore. What if he has two Drew Brees-like performances back-to-back? Come on, Barry. Come on, come on what? How do you know we can't? What are the chances? Okay, Th- that would speak even well, what more. What if he does? What if he does? So you still say you don't take anybody going forward? I bet Cowboys fans will not buy that argument whatsoever. What would you like to say there, president of the Johnny Manziel fan club? <laughs> yeah, listen, I-, I think that David makes a great point by the, f- the fact that Kellen Moore is not the guy you want to develop as your, as your future quarterback, but neither was Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon was not going to be the, the, the heir to Tony Romo. First of all, he's like three months younger than Tony Romo. So how is that going to happen in the first place? And, and, and secondly, I think at some point you just have to go by performance. If a guy is clearly not performing, and I think that last week what we saw from Matt Castle is the guy's not performing, it's not like this is a guy going forward either. I, I mean, at this point, I think I've decided – he shouldn't be your backup quarterback next. I was for him being the backup quarterback when I felt like he was getting better and he just needed some time. And now I feel like he's not progressing. He's going backwards. Clearly, uh, he has uh, what the problem is between he and Des. I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, throw the ball, catch the ball. You know, when we talk about rapport, I think we make a little too much out of that. You know, when when I throw you the ball, I expect you to catch it. You know, boom, move on. I. Decisive. Real, real quick, let me bring something up. I, I know I agree completely with all the, the assessment of the Cowboys have not identified the proper backup quarterbacks moving forward. That, that's clearly indisputable when you go back until 
Matt Castle is 1-5, and five, and he's the only backup quarterback to win a game since 2010 when Stephen McGee did, and he's no longer here, and clearly he wasn't in the queue going forward. And, and, and he's, he's, the he's, best. No, he's no longer anywhere. Well, he, and Listen, Matt Castle is the best backup quarterback they've had probably in 20 years, which shows you the state of backup quarterbacks in this town. No, Tony Not, Romo Tony Romo was a better backup well, I think quarterback. You're right. They had Kitna. They had Orton. Those were, those were guys who were legitimate backup quarterbacks. They were. Yeah, but you can't go forward with uh, Castle next year. He was playing – to back up here or to back up on another team. And I don't think he's helped his stock going into next season at all. No. Let me bring this real quick. I know we talk from a personnel standpoint about how could Jerry allow this to happen? Why, why isn't Jerry going to develop a quarterback, this and that? Let me, let me raise this question. I believe, there, I believe there is a head coach in the organization who spent his career as a backup quarterback who is now in place to identify a young player or a veteran who is best to develop or best to handle this system when Tony Romo goes down? Why isn't he being held accountable for the backup quarterback position? When shouldn't he know more about what he wants in a backup quarterback than anyone else in that organization? I agree with that. And let me just say this, David. When we hear that, because that, I've heard Jason Garrett say this, we don't want to develop a quarterback for somebody else. When he says that, is he parroting Jerry, or is that what he truly believes? That's what he truly believes a couple of years ago, from this point going forward, you're not developing a quarterback for another organization. You're developing a quarterback for your organization. So that argument changes in my mind from this point going forward. And it's a stupid it's a stupid point in the first place. You yes, it was. Well, you thank develop, you very much. You develop quarterbacks. And if, if by some chance you need that quarterback, if you have a sharp decline in the performance of your starting quarterback, you have a catastrophic injury in the case of your starting quarterback, then you've got somebody who you have developed and who is familiar with the system. Or it's it, a trade ship for somebody else. Exactly. It exactly. worked pretty well for Ron Wolf and Green Bay. The idea that we're just not going to pay any attention to the backup quarterback situation is is it's frivolous. It's it's silly. It's it's full of hubris. I mean, I, I've got hubris. I've got all <laughs> kinds of adjectives to describe that the, the way that was handled, and the way it has been handled time in and time out. And I still go back to what we were just discussing on the whole idea of Kellen Moore, Matt Castle. Yeah, Kellen Moore. We don't any. There's nobody here who believes Kellen Moore is a long term answer. But except Barry. No, I don't believe he's a long. I just asked a simple the question. Next Drew Brees. What, what if he said. comes in? But which reminds me of a story I like to tell. Oh God! Uh, no, no. When Babe Laufenberg—it's oh. it's a Babe Laufenberg story, guys. but it's a good story. When Babe Laufenberg, I'm, I'm sorry we brought him back in. When Babe Laufenberg was a backup quarterback in San Diego, and uh, Dan Fouts was the starter, people were screaming to bring in Babe Laufenberg. <laughs> they finally brought in Babe Laufenberg, and Babe and Babe had a fairly good, I think, first game. People go, see. You know, he replaced the Hall of Fame quarterback, and everybody was happy to bring Babe Laufenberg in. So I just want to say, mostly from the Laufenberg family. I don't even think Babe was happy, <laughs> but, but 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 the but but the point the point is it's oh, great. There it's, is one. It's okay. great, great story, it, it's Barry. The, it's the old story. <laughs> everybody wants to see what the backup quarterback, what the backup quarterback can do. I don't even think Babe thought that was a great story. <laughs> and, and you know, Babe didn't even tell him that. Babe Barry just followed. No, no, no. Babe just followed Babe's career. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get to this. Okay. We Wait. understand that Kellen Moore is not the long term solution. We understand that this team is not going to the playoffs. We understand that there are a lot of issues with this team. David, what is your summation of what is going to be your enduring takeaway from the 2015 Dallas Cowboys season? 
You just summed it up. Um, my, my enduring takeaway. Uh, What's the lesson of 2015? That, look, I, I do believe the injuries can't be discounted, and, and, and they started this in the wrong direction. But I believe you come out of this saying that we already knew how valuable Tony Romo and Des Bryant were to this operation and our success. But how can we still perform with – we have to have more playmakers on both sides of the ball going forward, or we are so limited, as great as these two guys are, that we will never – win a Super Bowl. Well, I, I, I think they have to say that, look, we have to get, uh, you know, we, we did underestimate the value, not, not the financial value, but the importance of having a running back uh, in this system uh, that's above just a guy that our offensive line can turn any guy into a dominant back. Defensively, we have to, while we have some solid players, we have to have players who make plays. We don't, you know, this team has gone more than a year without a cornerback making an interception. Uh, I just don't see how they can continue to exist that way. As good as this defense has been, if it never imposes its will, it never forces any turnovers, you're not going to win games. So they have to get playmakers on both sides of the ball uh, coming out of this do, offseason. Do you think the coaching staff will look different next year? Yeah, who pays for this, David? If anyone pays for it, I, it's not going to be a coordinator. It's not going to be a head coach. Uh, you're looking at position coaches. Uh, you know, you may make a change in the offensive line. Uh, so know, everybody you, still buys in Marinelli? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his his track record is, is so – and, again, they've played very sound, solid defense this year. Uh, they just haven't forced the turnovers, and his teams have always forced turnovers. So I don't think you can look at it and say – what is he not doing now? I think you look at it and say, what are these players not doing now? So you're uh, going to make your suggestion, well, not suggestion, but what you just threw out at us is the possibility that if they make a change, they may make a change at offensive line coach, which... Special I, teams coach, that sort of thing. I, I believe his contract's up this year. I, I think you'll have minimal change on the coaching staff. Kevin, what is your enduring takeaway of the season? What's the lesson for you? I think, you know, it's funny because I listened to Troy Aikman in that game the other day say this is more than just the lack of Tony Romo. And, and, and Absolutely. What I, At this point, you have to say that. You have to say that, but what I wanted to hear from that from Joe Buck is what? You read right. my column. Yeah. yeah. Of course, you texted me that <laughs> during the game. Yes, I did. But, that, but that's, my, that's my point here with this team. Is there something wrong with this team? Is there something wrong other than the injuries? Because, look, you could certainly – dismiss this from the standpoint that hey if Orlando Scandrick goes here you'd probably have some takeaways you know if you had Tony Romo here of course they would have won some games and I believe that I believe that certainly those are, are real issues but uh and, and then I think that was the, fa the 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 failed concept of the running back by committee uh that was that was a huge mistake but these were things we saw going into the season you know that that was a mistake uh it was a mistake having Brandon Whedon as the backup quarterback you know and, and of course Jerry admits that now he'll say if we'd had uh you know Matt Castle in all along to develop as our backup quarterback, then we'd be in a lot better shape now. No. Which, well, I think they would be better. I, I think Matt Castle would have been better. How many more wins would they have had? But see, here's to me the big the big question on this on this team right now is 
If they had won, Barry, they'd still be in the race. I want to know, what's, it, what's the deal with Des Bryant? What is the deal? David? I mean, how do you go from being such an impactful player? I realize the man had some injuries. He supposedly is healed. That was a pitiful performance against Green Bay. The place you would want to go and, and, and exact revenge on what was taken from you last year, and you come in and put up that performance. Here then gets to my point about the enduring lesson for me of the 2015 season, and that is that the people who constantly talk about leadership and passion at the Dallas Cowboys have no idea about leadership or passion. Oh, I disagree. I think they know what leadership and passion is. No, they is. don't. They, they, they're stuck with what they have, and they're trying to make the best, best of it. Come on. Jason Garrett knows. No, he's not. David, he, he's talking about what Des Bryant talks about with, with but, leadership. But they, they, I, I'm talking about not, the, the idea of passion and leadership when all it is is tantrums on the sidelines. Right. That's unacceptable. Right. The fact that the head coach has not done anything about it, that reflects poorly on Jason Garrett. Yeah. And if he's not allowed to do anything about it, that reflects horribly on Jerry but Jones look who, look who, and the way this club is operating. Look who you're talking about. You're talking about the, the best player on offense, uh, Des Bryant. He formerly was. Yeah, formerly was. And he's not the player right now. formerly known as the best player on offense. Right. That's what we'll call. Yeah. And who is the who's the linchpin player on the defense? Bruce. Uh, I always say Bruce Hardy. Greg Hardy. Right? Yeah. So, so that's his two top guys. David, what's your thought? Oh, let me go back to the enduring thing. I came up with something. Um, but my, <laughs> it's I, I, about time. My, my, my enduring takeaway of this season would be that in a year in which the division, the NFC East, is as bad as it's ever been. Or going to be. You were unable, not only were you unable to win the division in a year where it's going to be as bad as it ever has been, you are going to finish last in the division, and that is a stinging indictment on your personnel. And and again, for me, in football, the whole idea of leadership and responsibility, if you had exemplary leadership, you leadership your way to one or two more victories. You may not leadership your way to eight wins. See, to me, leadership. when you talk about leadership – that show that really That's, only shows leadership is Des Bryant showing up on the field. Leadership is is really only shows up when you're losing, when things are going bad. That's when leadership shows up. When you're winning, everybody's cool. You know, it doesn't matter what happens in there. Hey, we're winning. Exactly. We're good enough. Here we go. You know, but when things start to go bad, that's when you see. I, I, I tell you, you see the lack of it. Yeah. Absolutely, I, I give I give Des Bryant a lot of latitude, or I have given him a lot of latitude. But you know, it does bother me the fact that when it when something goes wrong, he goes crazy. Last week, I said when Matt Castle missed him on the slant, wide open toward the end zone, that was a that was a a, a bad thing for two reasons. Not just because you didn't Des doesn't get the ball, but but he's your best option. And when Matt Castle looks out there and sees the safety go get Cole Beasley, he has to know. Oh my gosh, that means that Des is wide open over the middle and so he should he should know that automatically now he's 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 come along here late in the season i try to give him that but the, the flip side of that is wh where was the tantrum the other day when des is playing horribly you know he's just kind of smiling sitting on the on the sideline everything's cool you would think everything was was just great and i he think played I, horribly i think terrence williams was all over him right <laughs> yeah. no seriously terrence, terrence williams threw a he's trying to get des into a tantrum like stake at state couldn't do it. This is this this is what this is what it comes down to is we're trying to get players into tantrum like states. And I, I think that's the it's, it's always I tell you you can go back to the Rangers when the highest paid players on the team and the most productive guys on the team were guys like Juan Gonzalez and it, and to me that was the problem with that with that club. You're paying this guy the most money and he is nowhere close to being a leader 
Uh, and he, yes, he puts up big numbers, but this, you know, re- remember when the, when the when he got the call third strike and he went back out and had a tan from the rest of the game and tried to tried to get himself thrown out of the game. Right. And 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 the, and the manager did nothing about it. Jerry Naren did nothing about it. And it's the same thing in this environment now. When you got your best players not playing uh, the way they should and not and not uh, leading, and then the, and then the, the coach doesn't do anything. And about I, it. I but I, I think this is David, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here. But this tell is, me he's wrong, David. Th- this is what I think. I think Jay. Jason does know better, and I think Jason does have a feel for how a football team should be run. Of course he does. But I don't think he's got any ability or latitude to do that, and Jerry has to give him that. If not, you don't fix this. I I think Jason Garrett's hands are tied just like every coach of every NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL team is in that if one of your best players is not a natural leader or doesn't have the temperament to be a leader, but his athletic ability puts him at the top of the scale. If he is the alpha dog in terms of athletic ability and he doesn't have the temperament to be a leader, he is a leader by default. And when you lose, the worst of that comes out. And I think we're seeing that with Des Bryant and the Cowboys. I think you see it with every other team. So, so uh, I don't a- think Des Bryant wants to be a leader. Uh, I, I don't think he is a leader, but by his talent level, he is by default. And and you see when you're thrust into that position where you need true leader, leadership when things are going wrong, these players aren't equipped to provide that. Don't you, you have, have to coach them leader, up to do that, though? Don't you have to coach them up? How long has Dez been in the league now? Six years? Six seasons? This is six years? Six seasons? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, can you make someone go against their human nature? No, no can you, you cannot. Can you, you make you someone a leader? Um, no, you can't. And, and that's and team, that's the. I think they are arriving at a point now uh, with this team. Uh, look, we, we're seeing the end days for Tony Romo, right? I mean, when there when there was talk about him possibly coming back for the playoffs if they had made it, at first I was against that because I thought, why why beat this poor guy up anymore? And then I just felt like, you know what? Uh, if, if there's no I don't think there's any hope that he goes through another season without getting hurt. I don't think there's any way he goes 16, 15, 16 games again. I no, think I think I think going over. forward, your hope is to get twelve games out of Tony. Every it, 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 you know, maybe, maybe if that's it. This is this is Evans Josh Hamilton theory. So, is, right? Well, you know, you know, I told you whether to or not cookies. that is true. The Cowboys have to approach it that way going forward. The yes. Cowboys have to approach it that you know what we're going to have to be able we're going to have at least four to five games a year where we don't have Tony Romo. How do we construct this team that we can still win two to three of those games? Absolutely. That has to be, that is their thrust this offseason, which I don't know that they have necessarily sat down and discussed in those terms in past years. I think that is one element that this season will do is that they will sit down in the offseason and go, okay, how can we survive a stretch without Tony Romo? And they will say, you know what, we need a, a younger running back that we can count in count on game in and game out. Uh, we need this, we need that, and I think you will see it reflected in their in their offseason approach. I think that was the one area they did make some improvement. Right now at the end of the year, having uh, that one-two running backs is much better than what they started out the year. That was the one place that they actually well, it was another horrible evaluation. Well, it was. Yeah, and they stumbled the into it. Yeah, and they stumbled into it late. That's right. the thing. You have to assess all this early, and you have to have it in place when Tony Romo goes down. You can't figure it out after he goes down. Six weeks and I think in, that's no. what this season has been. 
All right, what, they have what, been forced to figure it out after he's gone down. There and is didn't no have a good idea going in. There is no long term plan and no plan for contingencies. I don't think. So, so let's look at one more thing here before before we let you go, David. Uh, talking about the uh, the disappointments because one of the things that's been a huge disappointment this year is the offensive line in my in my estimation. Uh, and 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 as we know, an offensive line is the one unit on the team where, with experience, when they've worked together, if one piece doesn't work, then none of it works. And it seems to me that as 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 good as we keep hearing that these guys are, these pieces aren't working. When you are so poor in third and short situations, I think they have one of the worst uh, statistics in the league for that. Was it uh, they're three for eight, seven and eighteen, and third and one? I believe is that yeah. what it is. Yeah, that's that's yeah, actually an improvement. I think so. That tells me that there's something to matter there. Is is that what's the matter? The fact that Lyle Collins is not blocking the right people. I think. As a young player, you see some in- inconsistencies in his game that you didn't see with Leary. Um, everyone will focus on the on the block down the field when he's destroying guys in that Green Bay game. Uh, they didn't focus on the other times where he, you know, had the improper leverage and a guy got past him and then allowed it to collapse the pocket. I believe he has been dominant at times, but he's been more inconsistent than what Ronald Leary was. was. Uh, Tyron Smith has not had as good of a year as he did last year, a Pro Bowl year. Right. Uh, I still think uh, Zach Martin's played, you know, you know, pretty, pretty close to last year's standards, and, and Travis Frederick both I, I think are pretty close to last year's standards. Uh, Doug Free about the same. So, you know, I could this offensive line have played better? No question. But here's the thing: no defense respects the Cowboys' passing game. None. They know they want to run the ball. So what are you going to do? You're going to flood it, go single coverage outside because your wide receivers aren't beating anybody. And if they do, Matt Castle is delivering the ball erratically enough to where percentages say, eh, we'll take our chances. Let's just make sure they don't run the ball. And, and, and this sounds like a very odd thing to say, coming off of a game where they ran for 171 yards against Green Bay. But did they really have a consistent running game against Green Bay? No. No, when you can't get when you can't get a first down on third and short, you don't have a consistent. No, most game. of those were long runs. Yeah. 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 You had a four, you had a 50 and a 45-yard run uh, by McFadden and two by McFadden and a 22-yard run by Turp. So uh, so when you're on third and one, you can't get it. Now, here's the other thing. Does that go to the offensive line not doing its job? Does it go to the fact that you're so poor in the passing game that your defenses are going, well, they're not going to pass the ball here, so let's just you know run blitz and, and flood the zone? Or three, does it go to the fact that why does this team insist on calling the same plays that worked last season when they have a different cast and an inferior cast of characters in place? Could this coaching staff do a better job schematically on third and one to spring some opportunities and still to stay true to their core identity? And I think this is something the coaching staff has wrestled with all year. They want to play a certain way, but with injuries, with the players they have in place, was it really feasible and realistic to expect them to to play the same way? And I'm not sure that's the case, and I don't think the coaching staff has necessarily done a good job of adjusting on the run to that reality no i would agree with that i think that's i think that's a really well um summed up point that this coaching staff did not 
adjust and was actually a little bit stubborn and tried to make the personnel fit the scheme rather than the the scheme fit the personnel. All right, David, we get to the uh, inevitable moment of game 14 here. The Jets on Saturday, J-E-T-S, Ryan Fitzpatrick. What's your prediction? My prediction is Jets. Mm, let's see. Maybe let's go thirty-five to ten. Wow! And, and with the Jets, the Todd Bowles coach. J E T S Jets. Oh, yes. Wow. Barry, how does the cookie crumble? I'm 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 stunned by that because I I, I almost have to agree with David. I I, I think <laughs> no I I think. Oh, let let me sum up what David said. The you, your summary of David's summary before I, before I before I give my prediction. I'll say thirty four thirteen J E T S, coached by Todd Bowles, who Jerry interviewed to be coach of the Cowboys and passed on. Okay, whatever that means, Kevin. <laughs> what do you mean? It means? <laughs> I'm, I'm calling. I'm calling for the, this is where they circle the wagons and the Cowboys are pulling off the upset. Twenty one seventeen. Oh, you're just trying to be a contrarian. Yes, I am. Skits. Forty-five Sharing. to three. Forty-five to three. <laughs> yes. Wow. At this point in time, I'm I'm each week I'm going to pick the team by about fifty over the Cowboys. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm so you sick know, you, of you watching argue, this. You know, they, you could argue that was the Cowboys' biggest failing against the Packers. They weren't able to get their best player on the field in Dan Bailey. Yes, that, that's that's, it. that's absolutely true. And that what if true. Tyrone Crawford had made it, had tackled Rodgers on on that play and stopped him short? Exactly. I predict the Cowboys would have gone three and out on the next offense. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, exactly. uh, I just want to ask you a question. Who, would, who had a better chance to win with this team? Kellen Moore or David Moore, a quarterback? <laughs> Neither. Barry, why don't, you, why don't you come up with the worst pun to end the show? No, no. Oh, that so, was a ballsy statement. It was by a very you. ballsy statement. Who, who has a better chance of standing upright for beyond one play, Kellen Moore or David Moore? And I can certainly give you the answer on that one. All right, we are going to get out of here for this week on Upon Further Review for now. slash well, I, Ballsy. I, I just want to remind oh, people we that go. we have... Wait, wait, wait. We have another podcast this week, a Ranger podcast with some very special guests. So if, if you... Santa and an elf. No, Yeah, maybe. But, but people... I thought you were the elf. Will I ever be on this podcast again? No, you'll be on our podcast. Yes, David, you have carte blanche to, to join us. But will it still be called this? No, no. It may be called something else. It we're may we're have waiting a much for, ballsier name. We're we're yeah. waiting for we're waiting for Jim Maroney to we're sign for the FCC to clear this. Yes. Goodbye, David. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>